Blackhawks fans, welcome in to the Four Feathers Podcast. It's season five, episode eight. Giant Nani here alongside Ron Luce. Crack them. You got to crack them from Ron. Pop them today, I guess. Pop them, yeah. Opening up a little bottle, but uh, how you doing, Johnny? Happy Good. Monday. Yeah, hey, happy Monday. Good to start the week talking uh, hockey with you, as always, Ron. Uh, we're back here uh, at the Four Feathers Podcast following the Blackhawks home opener and the 4F red carpet event and watch party that we had. Absolute blast over the weekend. It was great getting to take in the game with you and the whole crew, despite the result. 100%, Johnny. Yeah, despite, obviously, the loss to the defending Stanley Cup champions who are on an absolute heater to start this season, Johnny. Uh, it was a beautiful night to get together with you guys, get together with some uh, other on-tap friends and take in some hockey and enjoy a beautiful fall evening. It was uh, a perfect way to spend a Saturday night, if you ask me. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that 100%. And, you know, just given the expectations for the season, I feel like in years past when we've gotten together, remember we got into that big heated argument after like the 2019 opener yeah. in Tony's Garage. Luckily, we were not like that. We were still able to enjoy some beers, even if they were not of the victory fashion after the fact. But uh, good times over the weekend. Uh, and obviously looked like a great scene at the Madhouse. So we'll get into all of that. The home opener festivities, red carpets, all of that fun stuff. The game itself against Vegas. Um, Connor Bedard's first goal at the madhouse that was a cool scene um some injury updates came to light when the blackhawks returned to practice today so we'll get you covered on all those talk about a shuffled new lineup as a result and uh little we'll comments on kevin korchinski from luke richardson and as always we'll ruffle some feathers do the salt shaker and take a look at what's on tap next you're tuned in here for feathers podcast Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, on Tap Sportsnet, uh, like us on Facebook over there as well, so you can get your comments in right below me here. Unfortunately, we can't see your comments from Twitter, so that's why we ask you to go over, subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, all that good stuff. And as always, on Sportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Run, let's kick it off with the festivities of the home opener first. Red carpet, big event happens every night at the UC. We decided to do our own little red carpet event walking into Casa de Marchese garage there. Um, we got to go off the top best fit and best entrance for both black and for four feathers go. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you right now, at least for four feathers, I don't know if I have one. Uh, truthfully, for the Blackhawks, I, I, I didn't get to see a whole lot of the uh, the pregame dress. A guy that I'm sure probably looked incredibly stylish, though, was uh, was a guy like Seth Jones or somebody along those lines, right? You know, you know, Connor the guy is like, pretty rock star in his suit too, and they did the slow mo video and all of that. So yeah, that and of cool course too. it was it was spectacular, and everybody that wasn't a Blackhawks fan hated it because they're like, yeah. why is he getting all the attention? But yeah. uh, neither here nor there, Johnny or Salt Shaker, right there. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll already get it going a, a little bit early in the, in the show. But, Johnny, uh, you know what? I'll tell you, from a, from it felt like you were coming to work on a beautiful night at Casa de Marchese. I have to give it to you with the backpack and repping the on tap logo. You're ready to go. You were your fit was was on point. Uh, I will give Steve a lot of credit for the yep. matching logos from headband to T-shirt. Mm-hmm. He did a yep. nice job there. Uh, I thought by far was the worst dressed. So um, I will I will take the L on that front. Uh, and then we got to, you know, a couple friends of the program as well. Got to get in on the action. Um Buzz's was pretty incredible. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buzz looked good doing the uh, like reverse the black shirt, then with the red hoodie over it. That was cool too. All right, on the Blackhawk side, I gotta go. Not a player, not a broadcaster, not a coach, but Tommy Hawk. Did you see Tommy Hawk? 
he was dapper as hell coming up the four feathers red carpet or the uh blackhawks red carpet i i, I wish i could share a picture but boom you can see him right there my Ooh. god the inside of the jacket with mm -hmm. custom blackhawks uh you know pattern on it absolutely stylish he's got a bow tie formal tommy hawk hits different ron Formal Tommy Hawk does hit different, Johnny. And when when your mascot is so iconic that they are versatile in the way Voted they can best look. one in the NHL last year, by the way. So there's there's the proof in the pudding, Johnny. And he, uh, I'd say Tommy Hawk followed it up pretty well for the red carpet event. He looked, as you said, very dapper. The, yeah. the design inside the jacket was perfect. Uh, big kudos to Mr. Tommy Hawk and, and his fit on opening night. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I had to break mine up for ours for Four Feathers. Best entrance was you by far. You got the pose, Ron, with the peace sign up <laughs> by the eye. Iconic. It looked just like all NFL teams post a million times about on Sunday afternoons. That was the best entrance uh, with your lovely lady uh, on your arm as well. Uh, but Steve had to be the best fit, man. Th that throwback headband uh, with the match. It was too the shirt to match. Steve Steve had the best fit by far. So yeah, you got to go with that for the four feathers, red carpet. Uh, go, go check them out at four feathers pod on Twitter and Instagram. We were having some fun with that. So we hope you did as well uh, as followers. So, all right, Ron, let's uh, bleed into the experience of the, you see the game a little bit of itself. Uh, sellout crowd, nine, 19,867. That's official sellout at the UC. Um, obviously uh, the roar return. I think that's the biggest thing you had uh, um, Jimmy Claus, Jim Cornelison, still rocking the beer. <laughs> delivered a great national anthem energy is back in the building for that and ron they got to get loud really quickly after that because one mr connor bedard scored just 90 seconds into the game that was electric in the garage looked even more electric at the uc 100 you know there, there's something beautiful johnny about when you're at a Blackhawks game and that first goal comes so quickly, like people are still settling into their seats. The buzz is high. Nobody's really settled into the lull, the natural lulls that you get throughout a game. So everybody was probably still buzzing from the anthem, from player introductions, learning, you know, meeting the whole roster for the first time at the UC this year in a regular season game, Johnny for, for Connor Bedard, first off to get that much space in the slot, big dumb move by the Vegas Golden Knights there. And secondly, for him to cash in and let it rip uh, right out the gate, as you mentioned, 90 seconds in, it uh, it set the tempo, and, and it really, really got the energy buzzing at the UC on Saturday night. Yeah, a couple things about that. A great work by both Corey Perry and Taylor Hall uh, digging that puck out of the corner. Uh, that kind of – just their spacing on that kind of drew the defenders down low on that penalty kill to them and left Bedard, like you said, just wide open the slot, which you can't do. Um, but uh, then I liked Bedard after obviously the roar from the crowd and, you know, everything that comes with it. We got a panger, holy jumping on the call after that. But Bedard, when he went to Selly, he skated up you know, right next to the Vegas bench. I mean, it was a natural spot for him to go after he curled off there, but he was like right there. It was like right in your face. Like it, it was good. Set the tone moment for me. Felt like he was kind of letting the, the defending cup champions know that he's here. Yeah, right. Like yeah. just that little like, hey, I'm here. There's going to be I'm a new gonna, chapter coming soon. It's starting yeah. to get written right now. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to torture you guys for the next 15 years. I just hope you're ready for it because you're going to give me that much space in the slot to just it didn't matter who was in goal. Nobody stood a chance if he's got that much that much time and, and, and energy in order to put one behind Aiden Hill like that. So absolutely beautiful start to the game. man. Yeah. It, hashtag set the tone. You did confirm that. Uh, Steven, you, you heard that. I said set the tone. Bedard Hashtag did that confirmed. early with the goal, putting the Hawks up. And uh, 
Blackhawks hung with them for the first two periods, I would say. It was, you know, shots fairly even. You go and look at that. Um, there were chances at both ends. Reese Johnson got a greasy redirect goal, which we love to see here. Uh, just slapping that puck down to the ice on a shot from uh, kind of like the wall up there. Uh, so we were tied 2-2 right at second intermission. And then, unfortunately, uh, kind of a lapse between that you put it on Seth Jones and Connor Bedard. Bedard took ownership of this mistake uh, just like was like 13 seconds into this uh, third period. Um, and that's kind of where it turned because Vegas, that was the start of three unanswered goals for them. Hawks got one back late on Corey Perry's what uh, it was nice slap shot goal, but too little too late with only like 15 seconds left. Um, I want to talk about the instance, though, at the beginning of the third period, Ron. It's a learning moment for Connor Bedard here, and I liked his response to it. Yeah, 100%. And again, I think his response continuing to show that level of maturity that I think we've all come to quickly learn uh, from the 18-year-old Mr. Bedard. But yeah, you know, again, we we talked about it. I don't want to use the term at nauseum because I don't think it was at nauseum, but we talked about it heavily leading into the season. This was going to be a learning season. There was going to be a lot of those those mental lapses from some of these young players. And honestly, at the end of it, it is a good learning moment. I think for more than one reason, Johnny, obviously the positioning nature of it, the defensive nature of it, Connor Bedard be- becoming a two-way center. I think he himself probably wants to become a good two-way center and not just be known for you know the offense and what he brings, obviously, on that front. But I think also from the standpoint of just you know, the, the setting, the, the, the energy, right. At the beginning of a period, it is demoralizing to get scored on in the first minute of a period. And especially in that nature, 13 seconds in and Vegas has already stolen back the lead from you and and now has that momentum in their favor in the final 20 minutes. It's that in itself, I think is a learning moment, Johnny, that these young players can take away and say, Hey, we have to come out ready to play right out of the of the breaks we can't just lull our way into each of these periods we have to come out and be ready to go because if we're not really good teams are going to capitalize on that and that's exactly what vegas did with their 13 seconds into the third Yep, they summed it up perfectly there, Ron. I think a big thing about that is the momentum swing, um, the nature of it that you talk about. Um, it's kind of like a hockey cliche of sorts, but seriously, it does. It sets the tone for a period if you get scored on in the last minute, too. You're carrying that with you into the locker room. So um, things like that, timing of it. But um, with Bedard, you know, it, it wasn't like egregious. Uh, I think he just got caught puck watching a little bit and just uh, on the mental side, just not being maybe as ready to go as he should have been, uh, you know, right out there jumping out for the first shift of that period. So you live in you learn and Ron, we got to talk about it because the opponent that we had in the building the defending stanley cup vegas golden defending stanley cup champion vegas golden knight one of just this gauntlet that the hawks are on to start the year and that's the title of the show the blackhawks gauntlet schedule continues because it's not going to get any easier we'll get to that at the end of the show but man uh who you just had on the last leg of the road trip uh, you played at Toronto. That's a highly powered offensive machine. You played at Colorado. Obviously, we saw they, they took it to us pretty good there. Um, they were undefeated last I checked. Uh, Vegas was undefeated coming in, left Chicago undefeated as well. Not going to get any easier with the Bruins coming up here, Ron. Just a gauntlet start of the schedule. Yeah, really tough start of the schedule. And again, I, I think we we kind of said it to ourselves here at Four Feathers as well, Johnny. Just it's a good way for these young guys to learn. You learn what good competition in the NHL looks like, right? You're not easing into the season playing teams that you're probably going to finish near and around in the standings when it comes to you know game 82 at the end of the year you're getting to see what it it means to be the best in the nhl right obviously the golden knights on the schedule quite a bit here early in the season obviously saturday night they were the home opponent against you know the blackhawks at the uc toronto even a team like montreal who maybe right now isn't an elite team by any means but 
certainly a team that can make some noise and, and, and do some things in the East. They have a lot of talent. They're young. They're, they're kind of up and coming. It feels like in a lot of ways. So I honestly, I think it's good for the Hawks, especially for this young core to get these opportunities to go against tougher competition, because now you see what the standard is for being considered a good and great team in the NHL and what you need to do as a franchise in order to be up with the big boys. And I think that's where Luke Richardson wants his team to be GMKD wants his team to be here in the next couple of years. And it's good for these young players to kind of see it in person. And again, if you, if the way they've played so far, a very admirable two and four, yeah. I think we could sit here and say at this point, just wait till they start playing teams that are a little more, even in terms of competition level. I, I think I really do. I think the Hawks are going to surprise a lot of people this year and, and win probably a couple more games than expected. Not saying they're going to run and, and take that final playoff spot or anything, but I, I do think there are going to be at times later in the season, maybe kind of in February, maybe even into early March where this Hawks team might only be six, seven, maybe eight points out of a playoff spot rather than just dying at the bottom of the standings like they were at that point last year. So it's you could go either way about thinking about this that oh man it's tough you're getting hammered early in these losses how are they going to affect you um you know especially a psyche of a group young group that's still gelling coming together um but I look at it as a, a raising the bar mentally so what like you know just what you're expected to do every night night in night out uh, at the NHL level and I think this will raise that bar higher than it would have if you maybe had a few Columbuses and Anaheims early on the schedule. I just, I'm not in the room. I don't know for sure, but just from the way that Luke Richardson talks about these things, what I hear from Nick Foligno after a tough loss, a game like Colorado, hearing that kind of stuff gives me confidence that they are going to be in the right frame of mind going forward when they play some competition that's more equal to themselves. Yeah, and I think just to quickly add on to that, Johnny, I think this young Blackhawks team is not scared of better competition. I think that's what we've learned early in the season. And again, that's a, a huge testament, 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 testament to the hashtag culture that has been established by Mr. CLR, which I know we got to, we got to explain to the listeners. Johnny. Yeah. I talked about this on Saturday. So CLR, for those that don't know, is Johnny always establishes Chad Luke Richardson, right? It's, it's kind of become a running joke of ours and, and a stick of sorts here at four feathers. CLR could also be Coach Luke Richardson if you want to look at it that way, but it stands for Luke Richardson. So if I say CLR, I'm not talking about the household cleaning product you hear about on the infomercials on television. I'm talking about Luke Richardson when I say CLR. So that is who I mean Just when I say CLR. Look at this guy and tell me if you don't see the Giga Chad meme. Come on. <laughs> that's that's what I'm talking about when I say Chad Luke Richardson. So th- th- need to clear that up for the listeners. But yeah, yes. hashtag culture. That's what it's all about, Ryan. I think this will hashtag only culture. help them in the culture department going forward. Oh, guess what? I mentioned that Boston's coming on Tuesday. They got to go to Vegas on Friday. So it's going to continue for a little bit longer here uh, until it actually lightens up on the schedule. That's the gauntlet. We're in the middle of it. It continues. You're in season five, episode eight with four feathers podcast here, Ron, let's uh, take it on down to some injury updates. Um, And we'll start with, I started in my article with the good news. Let's just rip the bandaid off and start with the tough news. Taylor Hall. This is going to affect everything going downward from here. Taylor Hall re-aggravated the shoulder on Saturday night against Vegas, um, and he is now back to being considered week to week. If you remember when he took that hit at Boston, the next day Luke Richardson said, we're thinking of it week to week. And then about a day later, better news came out, and 
Luke Richardson said he's a miracle healer. <laughs> Taylor Hall is, and he would only miss one game. So then he what missed the Montreal game, came back, played in Toronto, played to close out the road trip in Colorado, obviously played on Saturday night here too. Um, so that week to week seemed to be going away, but now takes another, it wasn't even as hard of a hit, but he did get rammed up against boards a little bit there. Um, that re-aggravates the injury. And now he's back to week to week run. Uh, this is the most impactful injury of this that we're going to talk about here. So go ahead. 100%. And we, I think we talked about it at nauseum a little bit when we were talking initially about the when it was a week to week. Um, and, you know, he ended up suiting up for that Toronto game. Taylor Hall is probably the single most important forward on this team, not named Connor Bedard. And it, mostly because of what he's going to bring aside of number 98 on that left wing. He's going to bring a dynamic playmaker. The guy's still a good scorer. He showed it even last year in Boston. Yes, he was hurt and missed some games. And maybe the numbers weren't the best that he's ever had in his career. But Johnny, he was arguably their best playoff performer in that series that they ultimately fell in seven to the Florida Panthers, who just obviously went on an incredible run and went to the Stanley Cup final. He is a very good player. He's the type of guy that you want around Connor Bedard from that skill standpoint. Oh, and also he's a former number one overall pick and has been kind of, dare I say, like an older brother. It feels like a little bit to Connor Bedard at times this year. Like Nick Felino's the cool uncle to Connor Bedard or like the cool, like your dad's friend type thing. Whereas, like, it feels like Hall is kind of that older brother because if you might remember when Hall was asked about, hey, how do you feel about how Connor's handled this kind of media circus that he's going through? And Taylor said, he's like, I think they're they're overdoing it with him and just not letting the kid play hockey. He goes, but he's handled it incredibly well. And he, he's done a lot for him. He's kind of stood up for him at times, you know, without it being a physically on the ice per se. He's important to this team, Johnny. And if they're without Taylor Hall for anything more than I would say five games right now, I think you're really going to see it impact how this team plays on the ice. That sums it up really well. And I think um, well, I'll go a little more X's and O's here. It shuffles the lineups because those were like your staples, right? Of the first line, Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard. And then it was kind of, Oh, we can throw Donato in here. Oh, we can bump Tyler Johnson. Oh, we can bump Taylor Radish up here. We'll get to that lineup that was laid out in practice, but it also includes some of these other injury updates. So let's move on to Philip Kurashev. Uh, obviously he had been out for the first six games of the season, uh, started the season on IR with the left wrist injury. However, was at morning skate Saturday practiced Monday, um, looking like he will make his debut. Not hashtag confirmed, but it's looking like he will make his season debut Tuesday against the Boston Bruins. So obviously, they will have to bring him off injured reserve. Um, I think that was kind of already foreshadowed, though, by Cole Gutman going down to Rockford on uh, Saturday. So uh, he was on third line, Dickinson and Perry today in practice. What does Philip Kershaw being back mean for this team? I think Kurashev is going to be a bigger piece of this team, Johnny, than he has been in past years. And I think he, Kurashev has certainly become, I think, a player that a lot of people might overlook when we talk about the future of the Chicago Blackhawks. But he is incredibly young. And I, I think a lot of people might miss that and forget that because of, you know, obviously some of the players that are already on this roster. He's just 24 years old. Arbitration awarded him that 2.25 AAV contract for the two years. And we saw a lot of growth, I think, out of Philip Kurashev a year ago because he established a new career high in goals. He established a new career high in points, new career high in games played. Phil Kershaw played 70 games last year, and down the stretch, he was a top six player for this Blackhawks team. He looked really good with Lucas Reichel, which maybe to your point on our last show, Johnny, your concern and your ruffling some feathers was that Lucas Reichel concern? We saw Lucas Reichel have the most success that he has had so far in the NHL with Philip Kurashev and with Andreas Athanasiu. So I think getting Kurashev back and getting him healthy again 
he's such an impactful player because of what he can do in a lineup. He can play up with your big boys in the top six and provide kind of that scoring touch. He can play down in your bottom six and be more of a grinder energy kind of hashtag grit, hashtag TWTW type player that we love here so much at four feathers. Oh, and he can also play all three forward spots. He can win draws as a center. He can play the outside wings and, and not even lose a beat. Philip Kershev is a very important player. And also one of the few middle round picks I think we've seen in recent years from the old regime that actually kind of worked out. He was a fourth yeah. round pick, came over from Switzerland, and has been a really nice staple, I think, for this team as he continues to grow into his role. Johnny, I think he himself probably felt like he was going to be a top six player, and the injury obviously set him back a little bit. But I think 10, 15 games into the season, Johnny, we're going to see Kershev's maybe start playing the best hockey we've seen him play. And again, he's only 24. He's certainly a guy that could be around for the future. So I'm excited to see him back and see what he does for this Blackhawks lineup moving forward. Right. Yeah. Got his bag via arbitration uh, in the off season. So that has to feel good for him. Um, hopefully better than the wrist uh, that he injured in that first preseason game. But uh, just a note on him as he comes back, I had mentioned he's on the third line with Dickinson and Perry Richardson did uh, mention on Saturday that when Kershev does come back, they're going to ease him in a little bit. So maybe that means backing off some minutes. So that's why you see him on the third line there and not with that group. Uh, that had success last year that Ron had mentioned in Andreas Athanasiu and Lucas Reichel there. Um, I do think that unit will be reformulated at some point, but obviously Kershev is still, um, you know, did miss a chunk of training camp too with, with the timing of that injury being at um, the very first preseason game. So still some practices and other uh, tune-up contests that he missed as well. So let's get to the next one. Also on the forward front, Colin Blackwell uh, experienced some setbacks uh, over the summer with the sports hernia surgery. I know we had kind of, we, I think we were, throwing out the investor or the search party at one point here on four feathers podcast around a couple episodes back the where is colin blackwell search party uh he spoke today he was on the and, beach he yeah was on the beach yeah he's, he's on the beach with his dog but you no know, you know what i i'd I feel a little bad for the guy because they have those kind of setbacks especially when he only had i want to say it was like a 12 to 14 week recovery timeline so that should have put him in line to be at least getting going during training camp um he did end up starting to do some individual work and he did join morning skate saturday was practicing today although not among line rushes um he was part of the extras but just hearing him talk about it afterward uh i feel for a guy like that because you know me i love my depth forwards here uh but you know he's just a hard-working guy defensive specialist as we've talked about in the past and um for him to have those kind of flare-ups and you know for a guy that really needs to use his legs removing your legs in the penalty kill uh blocking shots he does a lot of that too from a forward spot so um no exact clear timetable on the return here, but I'm just glad to see him back uh, with, with the boys. And especially for him, she said that makes it feel more normal. So it was tough over the summer. Yeah. It's, it's hard as an athlete when you get injured. I, I distinctly remember a couple of injuries in my career during, especially kind of like that training camp two a days timeframe. Cause that's when you really start to gel with your group and you start to get to know everybody, the newer faces, you're, you're still, you know, obviously good buddies with a lot of the older faces. It's tough feeling excluded and like you can't really contribute and help the team, even if it is just in a practicing standpoint. And, and like you said, right, Johnny, to, to kind of get him going when he was expected to during training camp. I feel for him too. Uh, it, he certainly fits the Johnny Nani criteria of uh, excellent hockey players that just establish that hashtag grit and hashtag TWTW that uh, I think we all love so much here. You put him up there with the, the Ryan Carpenters and the Sam Lafferty's of the world uh, in Johnny's heart. But you know, Johnny, I, I want to know your your thought on this, though, with a guy like Colin Blackwell right now, because we've kind of seen some of these players again, 
we've established the idea of this team has more forward depth than they had last year. And they actually do have some hard decisions to make when it comes to who's going to play, who's in, who's out of the lineup. Where do you see Colin Blackwell fitting and where do you think he's actually going to provide the most value once he is healthy and fully back? Right. Uh, on a probably I would, Ron, if I were to just look at this right now, I'm going and looking at the group that they have right now. Um, it would be, probably in a wing and on the fourth line. So that means one of the Reese Johnsons or Boris Kachuks is coming out. Um, and, and that would just, you know, A, you have to evaluate where he is physically, if he can handle the tasks, because when he comes back, there's, sorry, it's not like Philip Kershaw. There's no easing in for a Colin Blackwell. Sure, you can limit minutes by putting him on those lower lines. But when it's penalty kill time, and he, that's the guy that you're expecting to uh, go out there. He's got to hop, hop over the boards and be ready. So when he is fully good to go, um, and you know what, Ron, I think the best thing about this is that he is non or injured slash non-roster designation starts the season. That was his uh, designation, which gives the Blackhawks a little flexibility uh, in this regard. So it, it would basically be uh, among the Reese Johnsons and Boris Kachuks down there who plays himself out of the lineup, really, to even give Blackwell a shot. So, um, you know, injuries happen too. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Maybe it happens somewhere higher up in the lineup. And then one of those guys gets bumped up a little bit because I can see Boris being a guy that moves to like the third line, so to say. Um yeah. So you never know, but I would put him on the wing on a fourth line, probably. Makes sense. No, and I agree with you. I think I, I really do think when when Colin Blackwell returns, he's going to be the most uh, impactful to this roster, especially, I think, on the penalty kill. And again, a penalty kill unit that so far this year has looked really good for the Blackhawks, probably been a strong suit right. in terms of their special team. So um, he's yeah. only going to be an asset now, I think, moving forward. It's it's tough to just, you know, when you look at that, because it's like, oh, well, why is the penalty kill so good? Guys that are hopping out over the boards consistently. Jason Dickinson, Boris Kachuk, a name that I just mentioned there. So it's who comes out, who comes in. We'll see. Yeah. There's ups and downs, ebbs and flows to a hockey season. So only time will tell. But uh, good to see Blackwell at least back on the ice for practice. All right, last one's a minor one. Wyatt Kaiser took a uh, puck off the thumb in practice today. Uh, he went down to the training room but returned shortly after. Said he's fine. Nothing to worry about there. But might be a little bit swollen for a little bit. So let's uh, look at this lineup now, Ron. Uh, as we said, with Taylor Hall being out. I'll read them off to you. First line, Foligno up there holding a spot with uh, Bedard and Tyler Johnson. Athanasiu, Reichel, and Radish on the second line. Kershev, Dickinson, Perry on the third. Boris Kachuk, Ryan Donato, and Reese Johnson on the fourth line. Talk forwards here, Ron. Nick Foligno, top line? Top line winger? Thoughts? I, I, I don't hate the idea, I think, because of the game he plays and being that hard-nosed player to go into the corners that can open up guys like Tyler Johnson and, and Connor Bedard in, you know, in the slot, in the, you know, amongst the circles, wherever. I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think it's a bad thing to do. I think Felino and Bedard kind of have a little bit of chemistry again, as I noted earlier, kind of that, you know, he's your, he's the fun uncle and, you know, Bedard's been over at his house and playing with his kids. I think they have a good relationship and maybe some of that chemistry translates to on the ice and, and they can get that line going a little more offensively in the absence of a guy like Taylor Hall. Um, I will say though, I, I wouldn't hate if this line kind of gets trotted out on, on Tuesday night, Johnny, and maybe it doesn't work out so well, I wouldn't be against the idea of swapping Felino and Perry and playing Corey mm. Perry on that top unit with maybe a Tyler Johnson and Connor Bedard, and then giving Nick Felino the opportunity to play down with, with Dickinson, who I think he's had a lot of good chemistry with. I mean, we talked about it, that Perry Dickinson, that Felino line has actually been a lot of fun yeah, for, so far is. early on here. And then obviously, you know, it, it would be nice to see um, your leading point scorer, Corey Perry for the Chicago Blackhawks, maybe getting a look up in the, in the top six with a guy like Connor Bedard. So 
something to think about in the future, but certainly don't hate the opportunity for a guy like Nick Felito to, you know, maybe just be that puck retriever, be that guy that can go into the yeah. corners and open up guys like Connor Bernard and Tyler Johnson to score some more goals. Yep. Yeah, so I call these kind of placeholder lines. Um, we don't know if these will exactly be what they trot out on uh, um, Tuesday against the Bruins. We'll probably know more at morning skate tomorrow, but this is how they were going with today. And this is also before we knew Taylor Hall. So it was like, oh, is Felino just holding the spot for Taylor Hall? So um, we'll see uh, how that all shakes out. But I mean, you, you got to do with what you got to do uh, when injuries arise. So uh, if this is the combinations that they elect to go with, um, I mean, Bedard can make anyone look good. I will say that top line got a lot better defensively by putting Nick Felino up there. Um, but probably also lost some jump there in terms of the offensive game. So um, we'll see, see how that plays out. Let's move on down to the D. Uh, it's still the same as it was Saturday. Observations on this, because I shook it up a little bit. No more Vlasic and Jones. It's Korchinski and Jones on the top pair. Vlasic, Murphy, Tenorti, and Kaiser. How do you think they performed on Saturday? I mean, all things considered, again, against a very good Vegas team, a team that, Johnny, you noted while we were at uh, the Casa de Marchese, uh, the first reigning cup champion to start a season 6-0. and uh, a, a very historic start for these Vegas Golden Knights here in year seven as a franchise. I, I think overall, though, I think they did well. I, I really think Korchinski and Jones don't look awkward together. I don't think they look out of place. I, I think both of them can bring that skill set and with the right forward pairing can make a real impact, especially offensively. And I don't hate seeing a guy, a, a pairing like Vlasic and Murphy, right? It's the, that's the D pairing. That's the physical guys. They're the long, you know, the Freddy Krueger reach, as you noted, and, you know, able to, to make plays defensively and almost feel like that shutdown pair a little bit while guys like Tenorti and Kaiser then re- pull up the rear as the third pairing. So I, I think it looked well, obviously they looked good enough in, in the coaching staff size to run it back for, you know, today and probably what will be tomorrow night's game. Yeah. The, the, they were not affected by the blender that took place today. It was just the forwards. Yeah. Just, just the forwards. forwards. So yeah. I think that alone says, you know, how the coaching staff thought they played. I thought they played fine, Johnny. I really do. I obviously there were some mistakes and I think a lot of that in the third period was just the better team eventually kind of ran away with it. But we talked about it. This team hung with the Vegas Golden Knights for 40 minutes and I think the defense was fine in that aspect. So love to see them run it back and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I don't, don't foresee any changes. No Nikita Zaitsev coming in. Um, I just would do it. That'd be my one note on these. Just don't, don't have that re-enter the group here. All right. Uh, the extras, as I mentioned, were Blackwell at whistle uh, and Zaitsev all not practicing. That's the lineup update for your Blackhawks. We'll see what morning skate brings on Tuesday for some more clarity. All right. One of those names that you just talked about on the back end, Kevin Korchinski. It sounds like he will remain with the team. This has been a question. Will he go down to the WHL uh, because of his contract status? Will they burn? a year here's what luke richardson had to say he likes taking information and he's open and receptive to it and he puts it into his game to me that's a sign of a good pro it looks like as long as his progression stays the same we'll just keep going with him here thoughts i love it Uh, i'm here for it i i I feel like we talked about this quite a bit before the season johnny and I, i certainly want to hear your thoughts on this as well but i think overall you know they feel confident enough in what Kevin Korchinski has done, especially as a 19-year-old defenseman. It's not, not a 19-year-old forward. This is not a 22, 23-year-old defenseman. 19-year-old defenseman. I think he's proving why he was the number seven overall pick in that 2022 NHL draft. And on top of that, if, they're, if he, they honestly think he's one of the better options right now to play defense and they think he's continuing to grow, I think he's looked good. I haven't seen anything that makes it seem like he's overwhelmed by the NHL level. Obviously, he's not you know producing, I think, as an offensive defenseman the way they would like him to. That's, I think, going to come in the future as he gets more acclimated to the NHL game. But 
overall, if they like it, I- I'm here for it, Johnny. I-, I think it's more fun when we get to watch the the Kevin Korchinski development over the course of an NHL season rather than having to watch it from afar if he were to go back to the WHL. Uh, I go back to something that was said in the latest episode of Every Shift that came out. Um, and it was cool, cool, cool uh, segment that they had a little hidden camera in, in Chad Luke Richardson's office um, when they were talking about some guys that were on that, you know, younger guys that possibly could go down, possibly could stay with the team. Uh, they got those conversations on camera there. And one thing uh, that Kyle Davidson was very adamant about telling Korchinski, it's earned here, this spot. It's not given. We're not giving this to you. And this opportunity, he earned it. And now that he has the opportunity, he is using it to earn more. So good for him. I agree with you that he is not looked out of place. It'd be one thing if you're looking at Korchinski fumbles and blunders and saying, okay, yeah, here's what you need to work on, send you back to the A. You don't really have, or excuse me, to the WHL, you don't have much of those to really say, you know, oh, okay, we, we can identify this as a spot in your game. It's like he's holding his own well enough. So that is earned on Kevin Korchinski's part and good for him. Because there's a question in my mind, I was kind of at least leading into it before we saw any game action, that my initial thought would be, yeah, the first tryout, and then send him down, and then come back up at the end. That's looks like it's erased right now. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I honestly, excuse me, I honestly thought the same thing too, Johnny. So I, I'm happy to be wrong. I, I feel like I've said that a few times here on Four Feathers. Yeah, if it's something I'm being more salty or negative about, and I'm yeah. wrong. I'm happy about being wrong. And in this case, I'm happy about being wrong. I, I, I'm actually amped yeah. and excited for Kevin Korchinski to, as you said, continue to earn that yeah. NHL and, ice time. And, and you know what? Again, just as long as he's up, that means less Nikita Zaitsev. So please, Thank please you, keep, man. please keep earning it every night, night in, night out, Korchinski, because I want if, you here. If we, we all want to see, we all want to see the future, but we also don't want to see Nikita Zaitsev on the ice. I'm sorry. Correct. And if we see more Nikita Zaitsev, you will start seeing me carry a traffic home with the number 22 on it in more episodes, <laughs> if that ends up happening, because that's exactly what he looks like right now. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yep. I, I concur, Ron. We, we do need to get number 22 traffic home. All right. Let's move on to ruffle some feathers. It's that time of the show, Ron. What do you got? Uh, let's ruffle some feathers. Uh, what's going to get pe- the, the people riled up or what's you? what has you riled up? Yeah, I got I got two things really quick, Johnny, that have riled me up. I'm riled up because I was told by um, our our four feathers enforcer, as well as one of our co-hosts here, Mr. Tony Marchese, um, that the Corey Perry signing was weird and he should never wear a Blackhawks jersey. And he's a rival and we're never going to like him. And, you know, he's going to be this old big bad villain that nobody wants to like. Not only does he lead the team in points, Johnny, with five through six games so far, two goals, three assists from the Wiley veteran. Um, Our co-host here, Mr. Tony Marchese, has a number 94 jersey on his radar only six games into the year. So I'm here to ruffle some feathers to tell people that just because we all love each other here and we're good buddies here at Four Feathers Podcast doesn't mean I'm not going to call our own co-hosts and and enforcers out on their bullshit that they told me over the offseason. So to ruffle their feathers, I was right. I told people they were going to love Corey Perry. There's a reason they were going to love Corey Perry. And son of a bitch, Johnny, we've started to see it early in the season. So much so that Tony is all in on the Corey Perry train. I know Comiskey hasn't fully come around on him yet, as evidenced by those that saw any of his quote tweets from the uh, Four Feathers account Saturday evening. But nonetheless, uh, I mean, we had a whole episode here. Actually, one of our most listened to episodes, I think, over the course of the offseason, titled Fuck Corey Perry. Um, (laughs) 
I was told by the two of them that Corey Perry was not going to be a good signing, and I, I think they are very wrong. So yeah, was he? he, he, he I have to go look at it now, but he was points leader leading into uh, Saturday's game as well. So yeah, R- ruffling some internal feathers here at Four Feathers. I like it. Oh, I yeah. like it, Ron. That's a good one. You got another one here on the docket. Go. I do, and it's a quick one, and I don't know if it's the ruffle some feathers as much as it is just to say fuck it and go for it. I, I do think the Hawks should pick up discussions again with the Vancouver Canucks about a guy like Connor Garland, especially now if Taylor Hall is going to be hurt for any extended amount of time. Connor Garland is the type of player that he's on a decently favorable contract, 4.95 million for this year and two oh, more one, years after it. It would on the Hawks books. It's decently favorable. Let's look Correct. That, that's a fucking overpay for Connor Garland in Vancouver. Sure. Still a 50, 45 plus point player though i think you give him an opportunity maybe to play on that wing with a guy like Connor bedard and he could put up some points he's kind of gritty he likes to hit he's kind of a two-way forward with a little bit of that power forward game to him i think he would fit fine in this team and i really what i think it is johnny the blackhawks could go out and trade for him they're probably going to get a favorable trade for him especially if they take on his whole contract because vancouver is desperate to get rid of his cap hit and free up some money they might get a pick back with him, i.e. see the Jason Dickinson trade just from a year ago with the same exact franchise in the Vancouver Canucks. Blackhawks got a second-round pick out of taking on $2.65 million of Jason Dickinson. What do you think they're going to get for almost $5 million of Connor right. Garland for the That's... next three years? Go for yeah. it. Give yourself more capital. Fill the cupboard more, right, Johnny? We talked mm-hmm. about it in the offseason. Yep. Kyle Davidson's not filling the cupboard for, for one week. It's when mom goes to the grocery store and fills the cupboard up for three weeks. The well, Costco run, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Costco run. Get Add to the Costco run. Do it. Why not? And here's the beauty of it, Johnny, is if Garland comes here and plays well enough, especially kind of leading into next season, there might be teams out here that look at Connor Garland and go, well, son of a bitch, he might be a kind of the player that we could add to go on a title run. You know what that becomes for Kyle Davidson? Another More assets. Flip, yeah. It's yeah. a it's a win-win situation, in my humble opinion, for the Blackhawks in the long term. And worst case scenario, he's you you get an asset for taking on a guy that had an unfavorable contract for his current situation. I think now, especially with Taylor Hall down, he wouldn't be a bad acquisition to add into your top six. And again, play him with skill, give him plenty of minutes, and you never know, he might surprise you. As a second, third line player in Vancouver, he put up 52 points. Who's to say he can't give you a 60-point season playing opposite of Connor Bedard? So I say just go for it. Obviously, those kind of rumors have died down a little bit over the last couple of days. Yeah, But they're still looking to get rid of him. Vancouver still needs cap space. If I'm Kyle Davidson, I'm calling him up, and I'm trying to get the best, absolute best deal that the Blackhawks can get because you have the best weapon in NHL, in, in NHL hockey right now, and that's cap space. Go ahead and use it and weaponize it again, Katie, and see what you can do with it going forward. All right. I, I like the thought. I just wonder, is it uh, redundant with Ryan Donato here? Uh, it, I think it could be, but Johnny, I think in, in a situation under a coach like Luke Richardson, enough guys that are kind of that energizer bunny go balls to the walls, every shift type player. I think Garland's a little more skilled offensively than a guy like Donato is not to say Donato's not. He's, I right. mean, he's in a third line role, put up 14 and 16 goals in the last two seasons, but I certainly think having multiple of those guys in your lineup isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially when they both have a little bit of offensive skill. So I don't think it would be totally redundant. And again, there is so much money coming off these Blackhawks books at the end of this year. You and I were talking about it a little bit in in our pre-show. There are only about five or 
I, not even, I don't even think it's five. I think it's three forwards that are under contract for next season. Um, Connor Bernard's one of them. Taylor Hall is the other. And I believe Andreas Athanasiu is the other. And then Kurashev now that he's healthy. But outside of that, everybody's either an RFA that they're probably going to bring back. Taylor Radish, Boris Kachuk, Reese Johnson, et cetera, that kind of group. Uh, or guys like Tyler Johnson, guys uh, like Corey Perry and Nick Foligno who are just on one-year contracts. And even a guy like Jason Dickinson. So it wouldn't cripple them. They're going to have $50 million of cap space going into next year. I say they go for it and just give it a rip. All right. I like it. I like it. It's good to uh, ruffle the feathers. I'm ruffling my own feathers today, Ron. And that's because <laughs> I've always been a Boston hater. Everything. Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins, especially ramped up. during The, the Patriots. Tw- the, yeah, the Patriots. 2013, uh, the Stanley Cup. Obviously, that ramped that up big time. Uh, we came out on top of that. Thank you, 17 seconds. But um, I'm ruffling my own feathers because I always would shit on every aspect of Boston. Everything about them doesn't matter what it was, their food, the the, the way they talk, um, their team's uniforms. I'd do it even if they did, you know, we're okay. Um, I always thought the Bruins had a little too much piping, but God damn it, with these centennial jerseys they're doing, Ron, they did it. I like the Bruins jerseys this year, all of them. They all look good. They look clean. I like that gold trim instead of like the yellow. Um, God damn it. I'm going to see them in person tomorrow. And I hate myself for saying this, but it's going to be beautiful on both sides. Yeah, you're going to have two really iconic, gorgeous jerseys going into battle tomorrow at the UC, Johnny. So, you know, it's I think it's OK to ruffle your own feathers. But at the same time, you're, you're, you're going to get a hell of a result as a result of it because you got two original six franchises with gorgeous jerseys playing on Tuesday night. At the UC. Yep. Yep. So that, that brings us into we the Salt Sakers empty. We, we kind of emptied that out uh, at the beginning of the show. So uh, we're just moving right in that transitions perfectly into what's on tap next. And that is those Boston Bruins come to town. 730 puck drop Tuesday night on ESPN. Tony and I will be in attendance round. Unfortunately, you can't make it. And you got a little dilemma here. I do have a dilemma. I do have a dilemma for those that are listening to four feathers. For those that are listening along with us live, I have tickets for tonight or for tomorrow night's game. And I never got them up to be sold. And I am happy to give them away. I would rather them be used than go wasted. Um, if you are a listener here of the Four Feathers podcast and you would like to attend the game tomorrow night, maybe join the Four Feathers boys in the atrium for a few atrium beers before the game, um, hit me up. Hit me up on the old X app on Twitter, whatever it is you want to call it, at Loose on Tap. Um, tag me. Do whatever it is. Uh, we'll follow each other. We can exchange details, and, and we'll try to get those tickets to you. I want somebody to use them, so please, 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 if you want them, ask for them. Uh, I would rather give them away and somebody use them than, them, than they go wasted. Um, and when you're there, my only ask is, uh, if you don't already, and well, you probably do if you're listening to us here at Four Feathers, you already follow us, but to go say hi to the Four Feathers boys in attendance and, and, and be sure to say hello, have a beer, And give your thoughts, give your uh, ideas about what you think about this Blackhawks team. Because again, if you can't join us in the YouTube comment section, but want to want to talk hockey with us and and do things like that, what better time than to do it against the Bruins on Tuesday night at the UC? So again, on the X app, send me a message, send me a tweet and tag me in it, whatever it is. But I have two tickets, uh, section 325. I believe they're row eight or row seven. I can't remember which one they are, but they're seats one and two. They're really nice seats. Hawks shoot twice in that end. Uh, and you are literally like a section over from the boys here for the four feathers group. So uh, be sure to do that. And then you can hang out with everybody during the game and have a good time on a Tuesday night. But I'd rather them go used. So please, if you want them, just ask for them. 
All right, cool. Uh, yeah, ticket broker Ron here uh, on the Four Fellers <laughs> podcast. Love it. Uh, yeah, we like uh, Ron had just said, we would love to uh, have beer in the atrium with you. Uh, get involved in a little bit of our on-tap traditions there, uh, and obviously talk some hockey uh, before a great original six matchup should be a fun one. Uh, after that, Gauntlet continues. Ron at Vegas. Five, what do you think about this? A little happy hour hockey. Um, Hawks happy hour. Does that term ring a bell to you on Friday, five p.m.? It- it sure does, Johnny. And what better way to, to do it than a Friday game of all things? Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. The weekend starts on Thursdays, right. as everybody here at, at, that listens to Four Feathers knows. But uh, it's kind of hard to beat some some happy hour hockey on a Friday, Johnny. I'm quite excited. Yeah. I won't lie. Yeah, it's interesting. Vegas has kind of done the setup, and I've watched a few of their games. It was like a good way to kick off the weekend. Like, I'm just, like, cracking a beer after getting done with things for the day and turning on, and, you know, usually you're waiting around to, like, 6 for the East Coast games to start, and it's like, nope, Vegas is popping off at 5 there, 5 our time here, Central time zone. So um, I like it. I think it'll be fun with our team playing uh, against them. You know, another tough matchup. Like I said, the gauntlet continues, but, um, you know, we'll see. Maybe they uh, learned a little something, a little thing or two uh, from that game on Saturday night. And then also, you would, one would have to think Vegas has to lose at some point in this 82-game schedule, don't you think, Ron? Yeah, and, and who better to lose to uh, than the Hawks? Johnny, I do want to know one question in relation, because for those that might not know as we're looking at what's on tap next, tomorrow night's game on Tuesday is an ESPN broadcast, obviously Correct. as a part of the media show that is Connor Bedard. But uh, on Friday, they will be back on the local NBC Sports Chicago. And I must know, Johnny, the Blackhawks beat Vegas on and a score. Are you going to be just as happy <laughs> as you would be any other time if the Blackhawks win that game? So I'll be happy if the Blackhawks win. That's the thing that matters most. But as we were talking about there, <laughs> and a score from Chris Foster's just hits the ears wrong. Actually, it doesn't just have to be from Foster's. It's anybody who says it, you're talk, commentating a hockey game and you say, and a score. Not he shoots, he scores. He scores. No, and a score. I don't know. It's a little pet peeve. It just hits the eardrums wrong. I've talked about it on the show before. <laughs> there have been several followers because I put a take out there on it on, on the X machine, and there were several fans that seemed to agree with me on that. So I'll stand by that. It would take a little bit of the juice out of it, Ron, but um, I would still, you know, if we're talking Friday night as I'm, you know, getting into w- working on a, a nice, uh, you know, um, lather I- internally, um, you know, <laughs> it, it would uh, still feel good regardless uh, if the Hawks were able to pull off a win in Vegas. So I, I hope that's the case. I hope we're talking Hawks wins over the next week here. But, Ron, I think we'll uh, – we were talking the game itself, a little happy hour time on Friday. I think we will reconvene here for our Hawks happy hour on Thursday then to get you your second show of the week. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. I'm sure it might not be all three of us, but it'll certainly be two of us. And again, what better way to start the weekend than uh, to start it with here for a Thursday Hawks happy hour at the Four Feathers podcast. All right. So be on the lookout for that uh, and all these games. And once again, uh, hit up Ron on X or Twitter, whatever you call it. Um, if you want some in uh, on some Blackhawks tickets for Tuesday night against the Boston Bruins, that'll do it here for season five, episode eight of the Four Feathers podcast. This was the Blackhawks gauntlet schedule continues. We just gave you the rundown here. Make sure you go uh, rate, review, subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, make sure you're dialed into that YouTube. Press the little bell knowing we go live so then you can drop your comments in here uh, when we're talking hockey. Uh, love to hear your takes on that. As always, visit ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs and give us a follow on the socials at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. Until next time, let's go Hawks.
Let's go Hawks, baby.